of God. We're living in an incredible time where God can still move. Can somebody say amen? Despite what's taking place, um, God's at work. God is saving. God is touching people. But I want to preach this morning called the God of mercy. And what happened, how I got inspired on this message was actually I, had, I received or I saw one of my men sent a message. And they put a message on, they put on this Addison. So what it said, it says, Jonah preached eight, eight words. People got saved. He says, why do we preach Greek, Hebrew, um, Greek, Hebrew and Latin and all the stuff in the middle? They should just preach and repent. And then when he said that, I said, man, I can tell a lot of times people don't really understand. Why, didn't, why did Jonah only speak eight words? It stirred me. I actually got three sermons out of that one thought. And I told the young man, I said, there's a reason why Jonah spoke eight words. And that's because Jonah did not understand God's mercy. Is anybody here this morning? You know, I've never seen a time we're living in like we're living in now that we need God's grace and God's mercy like never before, church. See, there are men this morning and there are women many times when I read the Bible that has always left an incredible impression on me. There are even this morning books in the Bible with the names of those individuals who have left impressions on many of us, my life as well as your life. But listen this morning to this quote. They say, anything with your name should leave a lasting impression. See, there's a man this morning whose name, he's in the Bible and he's in one of the books. And many times when you hear his name, immediately the impression that comes to you, immediately the impression that comes to me this morning, there is a lasting impression that he's left. I'm going to say his name. I've said it earlier. His name is Jonah. The very moment you hear the name Jonah, your mind goes like this. Jonah, he's the man that God told to go to Nineveh. But he's the man that instead he chose to disobey God and go to Tarshish. No, no, no. He's the man that caused trouble on a ship. He's the man that got swallowed up by a large fish. He's the man that cried out to God, even himself for mercy. And when he gets to Nineveh, he finally arrives there. And when he arrives at Nineveh, he has eight words to say, nothing else, he's done. See, the question in my mind and ought to be in your mind, why did this man Jonah, why did he not listen to God? Why did he not go to Nineveh? See, the real impression it's not just the impression you leave on me or the impression you leave on somebody else, but the impression you leave with God. See, I believe that Jonah left an impression with God, and the impression Jonah left with God is he did not understand a God who shows mercy. I don't know about you this morning. I am so glad for God's grace and God's mercy. I wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for the mercy of God. I want to tell you, don't forget where we come from and don't forget where God brought us out of. I don't care where you are this morning and what status of life you may be on the right and the left, front and behind. We all need the mercy of God this morning, church. Thank God mercy came. But Jonah was that man that did not understand God's mercy. Come on, let's go in the word of God quickly. Jonah 
chapter 1, verse 1 through the Bible says these words, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. Then he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Come on, church, let's pray. God, I come this morning once again, God, by your grace and by your mercy. God, I thank you this morning, every man and woman, God, sitting in the house of God. God, we're so thankful that you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. God, this morning we cry out, God, for loved ones, family members, God. We cry out for humanity. God, show mercy unto us as a people. Mercy, God, unto us as a nation here in South Africa, God, and throughout the entire world. God, this morning I do not come in my own ability, nor my own strength. For God, I have, God, absolutely no confidence in my flesh. Holy Ghost, I need you. I depend upon you. God, move in this place, I pray. The people of God said, oh, come on, really, God said. I want to talk about the way God sees this morning, church. You know, the story of Jonah, it is told from the time children can begin in Sunday school. That means this morning that your children, when they're young, you begin to put them into Sunday school and they begin to understand and know the Bible. They've heard the stories of David and Goliath and they've heard the story of Jonah, no doubt. But not only have children heard and understand the story of Jonah, I want to say that every adult who's a believer and been saved a long time, you also know Jonah. Are you here this morning? But do you know this morning it's very easy just to allow the story of a large fish swallowing up a man to become casual and you miss the great lesson. Let me tell you, there is a great lesson in the Bible. It is a lesson of God that shows mercy. See, in our text, God is going to tell Jonah, Jonah, I want you to rise and go to Nineveh. Now, because God wants to show mercy, he wants to spare the people of Nineveh. But something isn't right inside Jonah's heart. And something is not right in the mind of Jonah. See, why is it this morning, church, he begins to justify in his own mind, in his own heart, God, I know what you've told me. God, I know what you've spoken to me, God. But I'm going to refuse, God. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. Let me ask you something. Sometimes there's a way you see things, but there's another way God sees things. See, Jonah can't understand this. He said, God, I hear what you're telling me, but God, I don't see it the way you see it. Well, I want to tell everybody this morning, the Bible says in Isaiah, that's exactly how God is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways are your ways, says the Lord. He's saying, Jonah, I am the God that sees things the way you may not see them. See, Jonah can't wrap his mind around this. You know, it's very easy, church. To just simply see things at an earthly perspective and you become earthly minded but not eternally minded this morning. See, God in his mind, he has an internal perspective and his kingdom this morning has heaven's perspective. See, Jonah has his view on one side but God has another view. 
See, when you see Jesus in the Bible, he would speak and illustrate parables. You know what he would do? Many times when he would speak parables, he would speak them like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like. Every time he would say that and every time he would speak that, he's now trying to draw men in. He's now trying to draw women in. He's trying to bring them into a kingdom view. The kingdom of heaven, it is like. You know what this means, church? That God has the ability to sometimes see a perspective that you and I cannot see. See, Jonah is trapped by this. You know, I thought about this in the Bible because God always would illustrate truth through parables. And there's a parable that comes to mind. I said, God, this is exactly how you are, God. You are a God of grace and a God of mercy is who you are. This parable has been called about the parable of the landowner. When the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. See, you're going to see now his view. And then the view of Christ. See, God is going to bring us now into a moment. He's going to teach us something about the kingdom of God. See this parable about the landowner. The Bible says he goes out and he hires workers. He goes out in the marketplace. He sees men standing there and he goes, hey guys, what are you doing? These men said, we're doing nothing. He goes, come on. He brings them over and they begin to work. The Bible says he's going to pay these men a denarius wage. He goes back to the marketplace. Look at this. He walks over there. He sees other men standing. He goes, men, what are you doing? They go, we're doing it. He goes, why don't you come now and come back and work with me? The Bible says now the ones from the morning were working. And the ones he brought later are also now working. They're both working. They're laboring and they're toiling. And then the Bible says now he's agreed to pay them exactly what he's told him he's going to pay them. The Bible says in verse 7, whatever is right, they shall receive. But then the Bible says something happens. The evening is coming. It's now the end of the day and everybody is called back. He's going to pay them now. From the beginning to the last, each man gets his wage. But the Bible says the problem that there's a man that says, hold on, he's upset. He goes, God, I don't understand this. He goes, how is it that I came in the morning time and I worked from sunup to sundown and you gave me a denarius wage and he showed up at the end of the day and he got the same amount that I got. Sounds like a community, don't it? Everything got to be the same. Everything got to be fair. If you did that for him, you got to do that for me. No, no, that's not how mercy works. See, let me explain something to you. What God was trying to say in this story, God says, hold on. I am a just God, but I am also a merciful God. You know what just is? Justice is this, being able to do what is right See, the landowner, he's bothered by this. He don't understand. He goes, why are you bothered that I gave this person the same amount that I gave to you? He said, if I want to be kind and show mercy, can I not show mercy? See, Jesus is giving us a perspective on how we view and how he views things. 
See, this, he is just and merciful. See, the worker is shocked at God's mercy. He can't believe it. He can't understand this. See, mercy and justice are not contradictory. But mercy will always go further than it has to go. Did you hear what I said this morning? You would not be alive today under the grace of God if mercy didn't go further for you and for me this morning, church. Mercy always goes farther than it has to go. Understand that God, if God gave us what we all deserve, we'd all be in hell. Come on, church. If he gave you what I deserve, and you and I, we deserve, we wouldn't be able to make heaven our home. But thank God this morning that God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace morning church. See, in our text, Jonah is also about to get a revelation. He's trying to understand this. But have you ever asked yourself, pastor, preacher, I don't understand how come Jonah is having such a hard time having such a difficult time going to Nineveh when all he has to do is obey God. I asked myself that question. See, why is it that Jonah is not wanting to go? You know, when that man sent that, that message to me, he goes, Jonah spoke eight words. I'm going to show you why Jonah spoke eight words. See, we know this about Jonah, that he spoke eight words, but we really don't know, but why did Jonah not go? Why did he disobey God? Let me give you some history on what's happening to Jonah. Go to 2 Kings chapter 14. You can turn there or you can write this down. But in 2 Kings chapter 14, you are going to find Jonah in that chapter. See, most people, they read the Bible and they go, oh, Jonah is only in the book of Jonah. No, 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 no. Jonah is in 2 Kings chapter 14. See, what happened was Jonah was born in the reign of Jeroboam. And King Jeroboam did evil in the sight of God. And God wanted Jonah to send a message of mercy to those people. Chapter 14, verse 23. Listen to what the Bible says. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the sons of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, became the king in Samaria. He reigned 41 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam and the son of Nabat, who was Israel's sin. He restored their territory in Israel from the ends of Hamath to the Sea of Arabia. According to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet of gath Hepher. You know what's happening now? Now can you understand this? He's saying, God, hold on a minute. You told me to go and preach to the people in Nineveh. But God, I haven't forgotten that you sent me a long time ago somewhere else. And when I went to that place, God, I came to give them mercy and God, they took advantage and they abused your mercy, God. Why do you give mercy, God, when people don't take advantage of mercy? He's bothered by this. He's saying, God, why are you a God that makes me go places, God, where people don't care about mercy? He's taken back by this. 
See, Jonah, he has seen people, and in his mind, God, they deserve judgment, not mercy. See, Jonah was probably saying, yes, God, give me a word for Jeroboam and his people, God. I'll give him the right word. See, it wasn't Jonah's thought. See, instead, God wanted to give mercy. That's why he ran from Nineveh. See, Jonah chapter 4, 2 says this, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? For I have known that you are gracious and merciful. See, when Jonah was in his own land, he was giving people mercy. He said, God, I've seen people, God, abuse mercy. He said, no way, Lord. When you don't judge, when you don't rain judgment, they take advantage of you and they abuse mercy. See, what Jonah didn't realize, that the person offering mercy has the total right to give whatever he wants. He's the mercy giver. Did you hear what I said this morning? He's the mercy giver. He goes, Jonah, that has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with me. He goes, I am going one day to rain judgment. He said, but before judgment comes, I want mercy. Everybody in this place ought to thank God that you are alive this morning and clothed and in your right mind by the grace of God because judgment could have came, but mercy came first. The mercy of God came running to you first. I understand, Jonah. And I understand what Jonah's battling in his mind. In his own decision saying, God, people don't accept mercy, God. People, they take it back. They abuse your mercy. I want to say this morning, I definitely agree with God. God, we need mercy. And God, I need mercy. But let me ask you something. Because not one of us sitting in this place needs to play with God's grace or God's mercy. See, if you walked in this morning with both feet, if you came in this morning and you woke up with the breath of life, you ought to thank God. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace. If you came in this morning walking in in a cane, if you came in this morning pulled in by a wheelchair, if you limped in or you dragged yourself in, you came in the mercy of God. Thank God you're here. But here's the thing. God, I don't want to take advantage of mercy. See, Jonah was so bothered by this. He reminded God those who regard worthless idols, they forsake their mercy. He's saying, God, let me tell you something. God, they don't choose mercy. God, they rather serve other gods rather than be grateful for mercy. Let me ask you a question. Because you are this morning men and women sitting in this place. And you are sitting here in God's presence. And as you're sitting in God's presence, are you taking opportunity to get a hold of the mercy of God? Or are you playing with God's grace and God's mercy? Let me tell you something. I thank God for mercy, but I also know God is a God that will drop the hammer. Come on now. I'm always praying, God, let mercy come, God, before judgment comes. God, because it is real. See, ask yourself the question. 
See, are you sitting here this morning and saying, God, thank you for your mercy, God, or am I playing with your mercy? See, what happens with people who play with mercy is you find yourself unsurrendered to God. Is anybody here this morning? It don't matter how lovely you can sing a song. I don't care how much you can say amen, preach it. Unless you are surrendered to God, you are taking advantage of mercy. See, Jonah this morning did this. Do you realize a life not surrendered in obedience to God and you take that opportunity and you miss the opportunity of mercy, you begin to abuse grace and mercy. Do you realize a life not surrendered in obedience to God eventually will bring you into a dark place. For Jonah, a life surrenders to God in obedience, but he's now going to take Jonah, his life is going to go into a dark place. You know what this means this morning, church? Simply, you could be on the right path. You could be simply going in the right direction, and in a moment of time, begin no longer to surrender your heart to God, and you find yourself in a place, a very dark place. Disobedience did this to Jonah. See, Jonah, his life traject has a trajectory. That means when a path of an object or the path of a life of a person is choosing to go in the right direction. See, Jonah is about to choose through disobedience the course he's about to take. See, your life could be headed in one direction one moment and in another moment shift in another direction. When you become unsurrendered, you become engulfed in your desires. You come swallowed up in your sin. And let me tell you something. You end up in a dark place. I know this morning there are men and women that are here that are saved and born again. But I don't know all of you. See, what you have to do is ask yourself the question. God, am I a surrendered man? Am I a surrendered woman of God? God, because if I do not surrender, God, I realize, God, an unsurrendered person, God, life can take you into a dark place. Look at this church. Jonah is in a boat. He's unsurrendered. He's in disobedience to God. See, the Bible says that God is going to cause a great large fish to swallow up Jonah, even though the word of God says that Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and for three nights. Think about this church. Jonah, he's there on a ship. He knows he's not surrendered to God. Now, everybody on that ship doesn't know. They know something's not right. Something's, not, something's taking place. This storm begins to come. And the storm begins to take place. Jonah gets swallowed up by a fish. They throw him in. And in a moment of time, he gets swallowed up. He is now in a dark place. Let me tell you something. You do not get into a dark place by accident. You get into a place of darkness and a place you should not be when you do not surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Morning Church. That's how we arrive there. Look at this. 
See, Jonah's done this. He's in a dark place. Let me ask you a question. Where are you now in your personal life? Are you in a dark place? Is your marriage in a dark place? Is your home in a dark place? Are your finances in a dark place? I've seen men and women when they do not surrender to God and to the they get off course. They become addicted to alcohol, become addicted to drugs, become addicted to perversion. You know why? Because when you get off course and you do not, you will find yourself in a dark place. He's there. He's in that dark place. Let me ask you, where's your mind at this morning? Is your mind clouded? Are you having troubles in your mind? You can't think right. You're being tormented. Are your emotions, have they taken over you? One moment you're stable. The next moment you're unstable. Your emotions are up and down. And you always find yourself in a dark place. Look what happens here. In these dark places, there is nothing more then hell would love than for want you to remain unsurrendered and die in that dark place. Do you hear me? Oh, the devil knows where you're at and God knows where you're at. And when you are in a dark place like Jonah is, the devil would love to see you simply just die and never make it. Jonah is in the belly of a whale. The Bible says three days and three nights. The clock is ticking. God only knows how long he can survive in that dark place. Why do dark places work sometimes? Why do they help us many times? Let me tell you what a dark place does. A dark place brings you to a place where you need God and only God. You know, we live in a day and an hour of recovery. I know people who have gone to recovery classes and recovery programs, and they always have steps to recovery. And if you are in a dark place, Pastor Ortiz, if I'm in a dark place, then tell me, how do I get out of a dark place? I'll tell you how. There has to be steps. You know, if you're in a dark place, see, the first step to recovery is you have to admit why you were in that dark place. That means you can't blame nobody. You can't blame your mother. You can't blame your father. You can't blame society. You can't blame your kids. You must say, God, I am in this place, God, because I brought myself to this dark place. Jonah can't blame nobody. Where Jonah is is because Jonah did not surrender to God. Let me tell you something. You're in a dark place. Oh, you don't understand, preacher. I'm struggling, I'm battling my mind, but, you know, I depend on this person and depend. No, you better learn how to depend on God. I see young men, single men, single women. They can't seem to live without having the opposite sex. Oh, I have to have me a boyfriend. I have to have a girlfriend. And then you end up having sex outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage is sin. About three claps. Sex outside of marriage is sin. That's right. And when you go down road, you find yourself in a dark. Oh, no, I, I have to have some. 
Let me introduce to you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See what happens. People come to these dark places. You know what's amazing about Jonah? I love this story. <laughs> the Bible says that Jonah is on the boat. They're trying to figure out what has caused the storm. And Jonah's standing with him like he don't know he's the problem. <laughs> They're like, he's like, what's going on? Come, Jonah, come here. Everybody, and everybody's gathered together. They got a cast like he's standing there. And it's amazing. You have caused the storm. And if you would just surrender to God, the storm will come. The storm in your mind, young lady. The storm in your soul, young man. The storm in your spirit. Only it'll come if you surrender to God. And all that Jonah does, he's standing there with everybody. And finally, they pull the lot and it falls under the... Oh, I guess it is me. And the Bible says they take them and they throw them off and life will swallow you up and put you to a dark place let me tell you something please let me help you don't get the Jonah syndrome you know what the Jonah syndrome is you know when Jonah was on the boat and the storm started happening the Bible says Jonah went down to the bottom of the boat and he went to sleep. What's the Jonah syndrome, Pastor? You think somehow you're going to sleep this thing away. <laughs> God, I know I'm not right. God, I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. God, I realize I'm in a dark place. God, I realize issues, what I'm going to do, God, I'm going to go down, lay my head, I'm going to go to sleep, and when I wake up, poof, be gone. No, 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 you can't sleep this one off, baby. No, 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 you can't sleep this one off. You can sleep till Christ comes back, but until you surrender, you'll never get rest. Jonah slept. And wakes up. Oh, and I know our people in my church can sleep. Lord, have mercy. Oh, it's like a hobby for some of you. The moment you hit that pillow, lights out. See, Jonah goes to sleep, wakes up, but it doesn't go away. It's still there. See, it doesn't go away. This is something you sleep off. You know why dark places, when hell wants to kill you, God can do miracles in dark places. You don't believe me? In that dark place, it made a man cry out for mercy. When Jonah was in that place, he begins to cry out to God. He's going to hold on God. Remember me, God, in my affliction. Chapter 2 is a whole prayer 
about God help me. I pray for people. I said, God, you have to get a hold of men. You have to get a hold of women, God. God, you know exactly where they are, God. You know, God, they're in the dark place. God, don't let them die. God, hold them by the palm of your hand, God. Let them cry out for mercy, God. Oh, I'm telling you right now, there's some of you this morning, you are a sitting, walking, talking miracle. Because mercy, at a moment, you cried out to God. Jonah cries out to God from the belly of the fish in a very, very dark place. And he says these words in verse 2, chapter 2. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. That word Sheol is translated hell. He's saying, God, I have great affliction. God, and I'm living in hell, God. I'm tormented. Let me tell you something. I've seen men and women that when they're not surrendered to God, their life is tormented. You're trying to go visit a psychiatrist. You're trying to pop this pill. You're trying to pop that pill. You're trying to get peace of heart and peace of mind. What you must do is get peace from the God that gives peace. But what you must do is cry out for mercy. I want to ask you, you're sitting there this morning, sir. You're sitting there this morning, ma'am. And you know exactly where you are in your life. You can fool everybody around you. You can fool the preacher. But are you surrendered? All you have to do this morning is do one thing. God, I need mercy. I want to close with the God of mercy. You know, it's interesting to me that when Jonah cries out for mercy, it causes God to respond. He cries out for mercy. And that very moment, God commands the circumstance, the situation, to release Jonah and let him go. See, what this means is that God is the only God that can give mercy when judgment should fall. You ever been in a courtroom? Maybe with some friends, people you know in a courtroom? I'm looking at my church. I know a lot of y'all been to court. And to jail. That's why I know I'm good this morning. I'm safe. I'm in a safe place. <laughs> you ever been there in the court? And the judge, he's the one that has the final say. And you know everything you've done is wrong. You know everything you have against you. You know you were guilty. You know you've done the crime. Now you got to do the time. And he looks at you. He goes, come up here, young man. Come up here, young lady. And you walk up to the judge and he goes like this. He goes, and you're waiting because you know you're not going to jail. You're going under the jail. <laughs> right? And so he looks at you and he goes, 
I don't know why. But I'm going to release you today. And I don't ever want to see you come back again. Mercy. That's mercy. That's how God is. That when God could act, God says, hold on before I act. Mercy. As I'm closing the God of mercy, look at this church. Remember I told you that God would use parables to illustrate truth. There's another parable in the book of Luke, very interesting. It is the parable of the fig tree. And the Bible says that the master and the worker go and look at the fig tree. And the master says, for three years, this thing has borne no fruit. Cut it down. The worker goes, sir, hold on. Before you cut it down, let's try something. Let's dig around it and fertilize it. And then he goes, and let's give it one year. What he was saying is, God, you have every right to cut it down. Oh, but God, let's have mercy and believe God. This time it'll bear fruit. That's God's mercy, church. That's what Jonah did not understand. See, when that young man sent me that, I said to him, I said, you know what I said? I said, I got three sermons out of that statement that Jonah preached eight words. You know why Jonah preached eight words? Because when he got to Nineveh, he stood there and goes, hey, I got eight words for you. Get saved or not. Bye. Left. Because he still didn't understand mercy. You know why I preach Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday? I preach because I believe there's a God of grace and mercy. And there are people who need God's help. Can you say amen this morning, church? See, Jonah said, hey, well, I'm done. He said, dig around and give it a year. Isn't it interesting, church? That the Bible made it a point to say that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three nights and three days. Jesus Christ was in the tomb three nights and three days. It's a picture here. He's giving a picture. See, what he's saying is this, that when they put Jonah, when God put Jonah in the belly of the whale, that the only one that can open the mouth of the whale would be a supernatural God. When they put the Son of God in a tomb and they put the stone, the stone was too big for man to move, but not too big for God to move. In other words, when they put the stone in front of the tomb, it was permanent, dead, and gone. When Jonah was inside the belly of the well, it was permanent, dead, and gone. No, no, no. When I cry out to my God for mercy, he can kick a tombstone open and he can call a whale to release me. If I cry out for mercy, that's all he had to do was cry out for mercy, 
And God made a fish from his gut spit out a man. That's something serious, church. But hold on now. I want to encourage you. Because if you are this morning in a dark place, and that place has done damage to you or done things to you, because see, when, when Jonah went in, he went in like this, normal. But when you're inside of a fish for three days and three nights, the fish has acid in their stomach. So when Jonah came out, there was damage. But when Jonah came out, the damage was there. But God's not intimidated by damage. God can repair every damage. God can repair every pain. If you cry out for mercy. This is morning church. Are you crying out for mercy? I'm in this morning. You need God's mercy. Raise your hand. You need God's mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. We need mercy. I want to ask you. You're sitting in your chair. God is speaking to you. Life has swallowed you up, your mind, your emotions in life. Are you going to cry out for mercy? Or will you remain the same? I want every head bowed, every eye closed quickly in this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed quickly in respect.